Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the June 2nd edition of the Connect Online Meeting. So very good to be with you here tonight. The gang is all here. I mean, it's just right as rain tonight. Of course, I'm Jonathan Jenkins, joined by my co-host, uh, Eric Owens. Good to see you tonight, man. Been, been missing you lately. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've been on the run from the feds, but it's good to be back. <laughs> uh, of course, we've got Robbie Eversole here, and we'll get to Robbie in just a moment. Um as usual, please take a second, do all that like, sharing, and subscribing. We would appreciate it if you'd uh, hit all those little buttons on the different social media platforms that we are on. Uh, they, they tell us that helps out. So let's go ahead and do it because whoever they they is must know something we don't. So uh, if you would, please go ahead and do that while we get started. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you want to support the work here at Digital Bible Study, lots of ways you can do that. Um, you can obviously do that with the stars and the super chats. On Facebook and YouTube, uh, the audio stream is up tonight, and I believe Podbean also has a uh, Podbeans or something that you can do over there if you want to. Uh, all kind of ways that you can help support the work here. Uh, as always, you can subscribe to the website at digitalbiblestudy.org. Um, or as we announced on uh, Tuesday night, I believe it was, we have now opened a a, a page on locals digitalbiblestudy.locals.com. Uh, and if you want to go over there, that is kind of becoming our little community um, homepage type thing where we're able to talk back and forth to one another. Uh, you can join for free, but if you'd like to post and comment, uh, uh, Locals does charge $2 a month per, per person to do that. Um, and we would appreciate it if you'd like consider joining us over there where we can have a little bit more of an intimate conversation than perhaps we can have on other social media platforms. It's one of the reasons we did it. And we are uh, been very pleased with the uh, uh, the outreach so far, and that is digitalbiblestudy.locals.com. Having said that, I will throw it over to Eric and let him do his part of the intro. Man, All feels right. good. Well, it's been thrown and received. Happy Thursday, everybody. It's good to be back. Thank you all for welcoming me back. Uh, appreciate all the people who said that. And I did have a I had a wonderful birthday. My daughter's asked me, Dad, what do you want to do for your birthday? What do you do when you can't think of anything to do for your birthday? I, I couldn't think of anything to do, so we, we didn't do anything. Uh, maybe we'll come <laughs> up with something, but right now I got I had nothing. We're going to say a prayer. <laughs> what did you do for yours? Did you, what did you do? Yeah. For my birthday? Yeah. Um, that was two months ago. Does that what mean you don't remember? remember? That, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Two months ago, I would have to remember what I was doing two months ago. And there's, there's a good chance I was sitting in front of these screens with a camera on and a microphone going, would be my guess. <laughs> we're going to say, we're going to say a word of prayer at the end of the session tonight. That might include one for us. And uh, <laughs> watch over the feed tonight as we progress. And we will be glad to do that. Uh, it'll be my privilege to lead us in that prayer. And we look forward to that. That's it. We turn our attention to uh, what could easily be the third member of our team. Brother Robbie Eversole is with us, and we are always thrilled to have him. Brother Robbie, how are you, sir? Doing great, sir. You? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's always good to see you. You uh, too. I know there are moments in time where you aren't smiling. I just never see those. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm always encouraged to be in your presence, man. God is God is good. Every day I get up and I can see the grace and not the roots, it's a day to smile. <laughs> yes, sir. Smiling does the soul well. It's good for us, and so we should all do more of it. 
Yes. For those who don't know Brother Robbie Eversoll, uh, I don't know who you might be tonight, but it's possible. So, Robbie, would you tell the folks a little bit about yourself, your work, anything you want to share? Be happy to. Robbie Eversoll, I preach for the Penville Church of Christ in lovely Somerville, Georgia. Been here 25 years. Enjoy the work here of uh, three fine elders, and we have some deacons at deacon, and some elders at elder, and I'm just the preacher. More of a flunky than anything else, but I, I enjoy it, love the people, and uh, there's really not much to say about me. I'm, I'm a pretty bland person. I know a preacher named Bland. That's typically what he said. Oh, me too. <laughs> Brother Robbie, what are you going to be preaching about tonight, man? I want to talk about producing a strong church, building a strong congregation. So. I feel like that will be an interest to us all. We look mm -hmm. forward to hearing the sermon and uh, look forward to uh, your take and your scriptures and preaching on how to do that. Brother Jonathan, we'll give you the room, I think, whenever he's ready. All right, let's go ahead and fire this thing up, man. Go ahead, Robbie. Room's yours. Go and start preaching when you're ready. Good deal. It's so wonderful to be with you tonight. Um, for those that are viewing uh, online and you are our honored guest, we do appreciate your being here, taking this time with us to study, to open up God's Word, see what it says. I want to talk about producing a strong church. Perhaps all of us have heard the story of Democles. Now, Democles was a brash young man. He coveted after power and wealth, and he did his best to flatter Dionysus, the tyrant of Syracuse. Dionysus got wind of his uh, desire for power and invited him over for a feast. And Dionysus, a man of great power and authority and wealth, allowed Democles to sit in his seat and pretend to be him. And during the uh, meal, uh, uh, Dionysus asked Democles to look above his head. And there hanging by a single thread was a sword just above the head of Democles showing that we're always really close to death and how that wealth and power and riches and all of these things can be fraught with trouble and even death. Well, many congregations have the sword of Democles hanging over their heads and they don't even know it. Now, the fact is we need to grow stronger. I'm not talking about just physical strength. Now, we do need numbers, no doubt about that. I'm not talking about just financial strength. We do need funds, not to just grow large bank accounts, but so the work of the Lord can increase. But what we really are after tonight, what we really need is spiritual strength. And I submit to you, if we get the spiritual strength, then we'll have the financial power and we'll have the manpower. Over there in 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul pins, but refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profits little. 
Now it says it profits little, which means bodily exercise, physical exercise does profit. But in comparison to spiritual exercise and godliness, bodily exercise pales in comparison. Because godliness, Paul says, is profitable in all things, having the promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Now, we can be strong. I know that because we do not serve a God who would shackle us to a mission of discouragement. Philippians 4 and 13, Paul says that we can be strong in the Lord that we can do all things through the Lord. Why? Because he strengthens us. He makes us strong. He's our power source. Over there in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. King James says, Quit ye like men. Literally, it's act like men. Behave yourself as a man. Man, be a man. And stand up and be strong for the Lord. And Ephesians 6 and 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Only two points, only two major divisions in our lesson this evening. I want to notice under point one, four things that do not produce congregational strength per se. Point number two, I want to uh, produce three things that will build stronger congregations. So number one, what does not build or produce a strong church? Well, I'm going to mention four things. Number one, large numbers do not always mean strength. For half-taught, half-converted members can discourage the ever-present few. Numbers have never impressed God. Many congregations, by the way, would be blessed immensely if church discipline were practiced. You remember what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6. He says, brethren, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus that you withdraw yourself from every brother who walks disorderly. That word disorderly is a military term, and it means to walk out of step, out of bounds, out of rank, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother who walketh disorderly and not after the traditions which he has received of us. Most places in the Bible, the word tradition is not a good word. But here in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6, the word tradition is a good word. It stands for the teaching of the apostles that came straight out of giving us the New Testament. So some congregations need subtraction as much as they need addition. What if our physical bodies were... Uh, diseased? What if we uh, came down with maybe a cancer? Well, we say, well, just leave it alone. It's all going to be okay. No, we would say, cut that mess out. Get rid of that cancer. It's going to kill my physical body. You see, sin is a disease that is a cancer, if you will, and is eating up the body, the spiritual body of our precious Lord. It is destroying the body. 
So large numbers may cause us also to trust in ourselves. Have you ever read 2 Samuel 24.10? David has numbered the warriors of Israel. And in verse 10, he repents. He confesses his sin unto God for having done such. Why? Because in trusting in his numbers of his mighty warriors and numbering those mighty warriors, he was saying, I put my trust in the physical army and not in Jehovah God. And God, Jehovah God was not pleased. You realize that a few can be strong with the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, God says, I did not choose you, Israel, because you were larger, more in number than the peoples. That are. He said, as a matter of fact, you were small in number. I chose you because I loved you and I set my heart upon you. Numbers do not impress God. Righteousness, obedience, humility, that's what impresses God. In Judges 7. One through seven, Gideon is told that he's going to deliver Israel from the Midianites who were a multitude like grasshoppers. It was like a swarm of locusts, if you will. The Midianites were that large in number. And uh, God says, okay, how many soldiers you got, Gideon? 32,000. God says, that's too many. Why, if you go in there with 32,000 and have victory, then Israel's going to say they did it upon their own power and their own might. And God says, Gideon, tell everybody that's got any fear in them to go home. 22,000 returned home, 10,000 stayed. God says, Gideon, that's still too many because their heart will say they did the victory, that they won the battle and not me. So he says, take them down to the water's edge. And he said, everybody that kneels down and drinks, send them home. 9,700 of them went home. Gideon had 300 left. And God said, Gideon, with the 300, I will deliver Israel from the Midianites. And he did that. But it wasn't because of large numbers. As a matter of fact, God is the only commander in chief, and he's the only one that would have led that small of army against so many. In 1 Samuel 14, 6, there's no restraint with the Lord as to whether he saves by many or by few. Now, friends, large numbers are not sinful. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm also saying that they are, a, they are not a measure of our strength. If they were a measure of strength, and if numbers uh, impressed God, and if the majority was always right, then God would have drowned Noah and saved the world. If so, God would have burned Lot and his family, and he would have saved Sodom. God is not impressed with big numbers. Exodus 23 and 2, Moses penned, they were not to follow a multitude to... Uh, not to follow a multitude to do evil. A faithful heart is what impresses God. So large numbers. Number two, wealth does not uh, mean or measure spiritual strength or maturity. 
There was a young man came to Jesus in Mark 10, Matthew 19. He's called the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he's wealthy, he's rich. That didn't impress Jesus. What impressed Jesus was what? Whether or not he had kept the commands. And because he had not kept all of the commands and he was not willing to leave his money and go and follow Jesus, he went away sorrowful. And now God didn't run after him. Christ didn't run after him and say, wait a minute, my name's Monty Hall. Let's make a deal. No, Jesus stood there and let that young man walk away. We come to Luke 12, 15 through 21. Because of the covetousness of the Pharisees, Jesus tells a parable about a man who had uh, his crops brought forth plenty. And he tore down good barns and he built bigger and better barns to house all of his goods. But that wealth did not impress Jesus, did not impress God. For he said, thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who will possess those things that you have? Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. There'll be another person stand in the kitchen and wash dishes at the sink that you now wash dishes in, ladies. There'll be another woman stand one day after you're dead and gone, and they'll cook food from the very stove that you have. We're not going to take it with us. Men, there'll be some other man after our demise upon this earth that'll hunt with the very guns we cherish and that are in our saves at home. In Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 13, Solomon said, I've seen an evil under the sun, and that's riches kept by their owners unto their own herd. And we see that very thing play out, the wisdom of Solomon. In, in Luke chapter 16, a rich man died and he was buried, but he had withheld uh, uh, sustenance from a man by the name of Lazarus that laid at his gate full of sores, begging the crumbs from the man's table. And he hoarded that wealth and he used it upon himself. But he died and he was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes. Revelation 3, 17 to the church at Laodicea, Jesus says, you think you're rich. You say you're wealthy and you've forgotten that you're blind and naked and wretched and miserable and poor. So wealth and riches does not endure God to us. We must not entrust ourselves to our riches. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 17, teach them, tell them, Timothy, who's the them? Them that are rich in this world's goods. Not to be high-minded. Don't be proud about being rich. Not to be high-minded, but uh, and not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us all things richly to enjoy. Now, riches isn't necessarily wrong. Solomon was rich. David was rich. Abraham was rich. Many, many Old Testament characters and New Testament people were rich. It's our attitude that we have toward them. When enough is never enough, it doesn't impress God. 
wealth and riches do not build strong congregations. Number three, large and elaborate buildings do not produce strength in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we could learn anything from the Jehovah's Witnesses, they teach us not to be concerned about buildings. You look at their built, not even any windows. They don't wait. Their money is used in printing materials and sending missionaries. And tonight, we in churches of Christ have 200 or so missionaries on foreign soil, and they have 10,000. Brethren, what's wrong with that? We've gone into the real estate business, and that does not produce strength. It may tickle our pride a little bit and our fancy a little bit, and we may boast about our beautiful building. But what about the souls that are traveling to hell faster than a speeding bullet? We can raise millions on any given Lord's Day to do all kinds of projects and build all kinds of buildings, but not to evangelize. Isn't it sad that somebody who wants to go into the missionary, here am I, send me, that has that kind of a heart and desire, they have to buy a new vehicle and travel from one to two years and all over the United States and maybe wear out a brand new vehicle begging for money to go do the Lord's work. Brethren, we've lost our priorities. Our priorities are not right. Didn't Jesus say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, the food, shelter, and clothing that is under discussion in Matthew chapter 3? Didn't he say, these things shall be added unto you? Didn't Paul say, if you then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above were because our life is hid with Christ in God. Didn't Jesus point a nail-pierced hand to a world of sin and say, go preach the gospel. Do it unto the end of time and I'll be with you. The Bible is very plain about what we're talking about tonight that wealth, riches, and money do not, nor do beautiful buildings produce the kind of strength that God would have us to have in the congregations of his church that belong to him. Number four, and finally, under this point, popularity with the religious and secular world does not produce strength. I am amazed. Open your Bible with me to Ezra. Ezra chapter 4. I cheated a little bit. I found that before I, I started tonight. Anyway, Ezra chapter 4. It's right before Nehemiah. You'll find it. Ezra 4 and verse number 3. Notice this. But, but Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Sanballat, Tobiah, and those guys that were coming by, and they wanted to help build the wall, but they were the enemies of God. And notice what Ezra says the place of the enemies of God is. You have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God. Friends, the religious and secular world has no business trying to do 
and uh, get us to come. And I'll tell you something that's really sad. When we have members of the precious body of Christ right now that are leaving churches of Christ and going into the denominational world, what are we thinking? Ezra said, they have nothing to do with building for God. James 4 and 4, you adulterers, that's men. You adulteresses, that's women, that gets us all, men and women. Know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and holy will of God. During the Civil War, a soldier was found to be wearing a blue coat and gray trousers. The Union wore blue and the Confederate wore gray. So his philosophy was, well, if I come upon a Union troop, I can say, I'm a Union man. Look at my blue coat. Well, peradventure, he came upon a Confederate troop. He could say, I'm a Confederate man. Look at my gray trousers. What he was was a compromiser. The Bible, or excuse me, it's told in secular history that there was a house built on the borderline of Virginia and Tennessee. The state line ran right down the middle of that house. Well, when the Virginia tax man would come calling, the man would slide his bed over into Tennessee and say, I'm from Tennessee. I sleep in Tennessee. I live in Tennessee. Well, when the Tennessee man came, he would slide his bed over under the Virginia side, and he'd say, I'm a Virginian. I sleep, I live in Virginia. He was a compromiser. We must not compromise with the world. Why? Because our fellowship is with the Father, 1 John 1, 3. Our fellowship is with each other, Philippians 1, 5. And Paul says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, Ephesians 5 and 11. We must buy the truth and sell it not, Proverbs 23, 23. There are a lot of things that we buy that we sell. There are a lot of things that we buy that we no longer want that, but we want to trade it and get that which is newer and more modern. There are a lot of things that we buy that wear out, and we have to replace it. But the truth isn't like that. The truth will always be good. It will always be usable. It will always be fresh in your life. Buy the truth and sell it not. And may none of us ever be a diatrophy. Point number two tonight, I want to give you three things that do produce strength in the church of the Lord. Number one, under that, a converted membership. The word strepho means to turn. That's its basic meaning. To turn from the devil, to turn from the world, to turn from the material. In 1 Thessalonians Chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says the Thessalonians had turned from idols to serve the true and living God. And the word turn there is epistrepho. Epi, preposition meaning over. Strepho to turn. We've heard people talk about turning over a new life. That's epistrepho. 
And so we need to turn over a new life. And so to turn, to turn again, to turn over. Now, conversion involves four changes. It involves a change of heart, and that's produced by faith. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the words of Christ. And so uh, that's uh, Romans 10, 17, and that gives us a change of heart. And it involves a change of life, and repentance does that. And Luke 13, 3 and 5, I tell you nay, that except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. At the time of this ignorance, God once went, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, Acts 17, 30. Verse 31 tells us he's appointed a day in which he'll judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained and hath given us an assurance and that he hath raised him from the dead. So not only a change of life and a change of heart, but a change of allegiance belongs to conversion as well. And confession produces a change of allegiance. Look, when I stand up and I answer yes to the question, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm saying my allegiance now is to him. He's Lord. He's King. I was following after the devil, but no longer. John 8, 24 says, except you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sin. Then there needs to be a change of state or a change of relationship, and baptism produces this. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You'll leave the world of being lost, and you'll enter the world of being saved. You'll leave the kingdom of darkness, and you'll be translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love, Colossians 1. Verses 13 and 14, and whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. First Peter 3, 21, the like figure were into even baptism doth also now save us. So a change of state or a relationship is produced by baptism. Ladies and gentlemen, conversion is essential. Didn't Jesus say, except you become converted and become as one of these little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 18 and 3. Look with me in Acts 3 and verses 19 and 20. Acts chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. And this is exquisitely beautiful. And it parallels Acts 2 and verse number 38. Repent ye therefore and be converted. The repent is equivalent to the repent in Acts 2.38. The being converted is equivalent to baptism in Acts 2.38 because both washes away, takes care of, blots out our sins. When the times are refreshing, that's equal to the gift of the Holy Spirit from the presence of the Lord. Now notice, and he will send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. I don't know of any two verses that's more beautiful than those two verses. Luke 22, 31 and 32, Jesus tells Peter that Satan hath desired to sift thee as wheat. What does it mean to sift Peter as wheat? 
What was the devil trying to do? What did Jesus say? He answered that question by the way he said, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. To sift Peter like wheat was to sift, to sift faith from Peter's life. He said, but I've prayed unto you. And he said, now when you're converted, Peter, strengthen your brethren. Conversion is essential. And when you're converted, you become a New Testament Christian. You've been immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2.38. You've been baptized into him, Galatians 3.27. Then it's the Lord that does the adding to the church. He will add you, listen, friends, any church that you can join will damn your soul to hell. And by the way, conversion is not trying to pull people into the church. It's not trying to convert people through pizza parties and, and convert them to ball teams and, and uh, all of these other things. We must, we must convert people to Jesus. I no longer, and for years, I haven't tried to convert anybody to the church. Now, I love the church of the Lord. I'm a member of it, and I'll defend her to the day I die. I'll defend her one, her oneness, and I'll defend her plan of salvation, and I'll defend her plans, uh, her plan of worship, her program of worship, and I'll defend her doctrines the doctrines that the church follows that are found in the New Testament. I'll defend those, but I don't try to convert people to the church, not to the church of Christ. I want to convert people to the Christ of the church. And if I convert somebody to the church of Christ, church, the, the church is made up of people. And we get on each other's nerves. And sometimes we get angry at one another. And sometimes people get so mad, they'll either split and swarm and go somewhere else, or they'll quit the Lord altogether because we're human and we're frail. And sometimes we just offend each other. Well, Jesus will never hurt. He'll never offend. They'll never have reason or call to ever get mad at him. And if, I, if they're converted to Jesus, you couldn't take a ball bat and run them out of the assembly. We got to convert people to Jesus. Convert them to Christ. For there is salvation in none other, Acts 4 and 12. Secondly, not only a converted membership, but a congregation that knows the word of God. You want to be strong? Then you have a congregation that's, that drinks deep from the word of God that has a minister that will get in the pulpit and preach the truth if the earth quakes or ceiling cracks and the walls crumble. He'll stand at his post. He's not going to be derelict in his duties and his responsibilities. He'll preach it and he'll do it in love, but he's going to do it even if the folk don't like it because he's God's man. And you grow a congregation by growing them in the word of God. Hosea 4, 6, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Acts 17, 30 and 31, at the time of this ignorance, God wants wink. Isaiah 5 and verse 13, God says, my people went into bondage because of their sin. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Add to your faith virtue, knowledge, 
temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. What was the third thing? Faith, virtue, knowledge. We're to bring knowledge. We're to have knowledge of God. And so, and, and may I hasten to say, we need to know more than book, chapter, and verse. We need to know God. Knowledge is eternal life, John 17, 3. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, John 8, 32. Number three, finally this evening, a working congregation. You want to have spiritual strength, then you convert people to Jesus Christ. You have a congregation that knows the word of God. And then you have people that roll up their sleeves and they'll get busy for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're to be ready to every good work, Titus 3 and 1. We're to be zealous of good works, Titus 2 and 14. And Ephesians 2 and 10, we're created in Christ Jesus and two good works. And faith without works is dead, James 2 and 24. We will never, ever reach our potential when a handful do the work that everybody is responsible for. Friends, I've noticed this in life. That which becomes everybody's job becomes nobody's job. Some people don't know what's happening. Others just don't care what's happening. Some try to hinder what's happening. Some sit on the sidelines and watch what happens. Others sit around and wish something would happen. Oh, but thanks be unto God for the backbones of the congregation who make things happen. But speaking the truth and love, we may grow up into him in all things, who is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every part supplies, giveth increase as it builds up itself in love. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. By that which every joint supplies, you, my friend, as a member of the precious body of Christ, you have a job. You have a responsibility. There's somebody in your circle of influence that only you can reach. The elders can't do it. The preacher can't do it. The deacons can't do it. There's somebody in your circle of influence that will listen to nobody but you. Are we going to stand on the sidelines and let them go to hell faster than a speeding bullet. And strength comes by reason of use. Hebrews 5, 14. We need to put into practice that which we uh, have learned from the uh, book of the uh, God of heaven. We need to take this book, these words, and put it into practice in our life. A strong church is the only hope this whole world has. Brethren, the strength of the church is not in our buildings, but it's in our Bibles. Brethren, the strength of the church is not in our riches, but in our righteousness. The strength of the church, dearly beloved, is not in our feelings, but it's in our faith. The strength of the church, dearly beloved, is not in our scholars, but in our saints. The strength of the church, dearly beloved, is not in our popularity with the religious and the secular world, but in our purity before it. The strength of the church, dearly beloved, is not in our condoning sin, but in our condemning sin. 
The strength of the church, dearly beloved, is not in our compromise with the world, but in our conviction before the world. Brethren, the strength of the church is not in our earthly attainments, but it's in the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. Grow yourself where God plants you. You can't grow. You can't grow a mighty oak in a soup can. You can't float an ocean liner in a mud puddle. And you can't serve God without growing your faith. You cannot be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind without a faith that's growing, that's maturing, and that's strong, and that's worth more to God today than it was last week. Friends, one of the things that produces a strong church that we talked about is conversion. I don't know what your spiritual condition is tonight. Maybe we have all members of the church, and that would be wonderful. But maybe there's somebody that's listening that's never, ever been immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Would you be converted? Put a post Put a message in this thread and we'll get somebody to you to study the Bible with you. We'll get somebody in your area that will come to you or that will uh, allow you to come to them and meet at the church building or in some public venue somewhere. We don't want anyone scared or frightened. We'll meet you on your terms and we will study the Bible with you. Will you? be converted and lock arms and, and, and hands with us and fan out into the communities in which we live and be the strong, living, vibrant church that God would have us to be. We need this kind of strength in our life. Would you bow with me, please? Thank you, Father, for the church. Thank you for sparing our unworthy lives and allowing us to be members of it. And thank you for salvation. For the blood that Jesus shed, for the hope that's built in us through your word, the sacrifice that your son made so that you can save us and add us to your beautiful body, the bride, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father for a new day. Thank you for life and for sparing our lives. And help us, Father, to realize that the church is right where she can do the most good in a sinful world surrounded by sinners. We ask not that you move us or take us out of the world, but we ask, Father, for strength that we can serve you and whatever situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in, help us to truly be the people that would be about your business. Help us to never show ourselves to be cowards, but help us, Father, to be bold and courageous in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to know more than book, chapter, and verse. Father, help us to know you, to love you, and to put you first and to seek your righteousness every day of our lives. 
and help us to pray as though everything depends on you and work as though everything depends on us, Father. Help us to not abdicate our own responsibilities by failing to do our part in the kingdom and help us, Father, to be grateful for all the bounty you send our way. And Father, help us to put a premium on unity and help us to show the world that the church is a hospital for all sinners, no matter what shore, creed, color, or climb. Help us to be all things to all men, that by some means we might win some, and help us to order our lives in such a way that causes people to want what we have. And above all else, Father, help us to love you and help us to live for heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Back to you guys. Brother Robbie, thank you for being with us tonight, man. Um, I see the word excellent written by somebody. I think that's fair. Uh, I think that is accurate. Um, I appreciate the timeliness of it. I think that was a, a sermon preached appropriately with regards to the things that are going on in the world and in the church. Um, it's not just a great lesson, but it's a great lesson timed appropriately. And so I hope that that'll be shared. And I hope uh, brothers and sisters will, will encourage others to hear that. That was just a, a wonderful sound presentation of God's word, man. And it's convicting and I sure appreciate it. Thank you. You're way too kind. <laughs> well, I, let me just add an amen to that. I don't know how to say it any better than he did, brother. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Um, always encouraged and challenged uh, at the same time. And that's, that's tough to do sometimes. Uh, so I just love you for what you do, brother. Thank you, man. Well, love you guys too. And Man, none of us could do any of this if, had it not been for you guys and your wisdom and your foresight to begin this program. And, uh, you can just look at the success that it's having. You know the hand of God is upon it. I believe that with my whole heart. Well, we appreciate it, man. Appreciate you and all you've done to help us out. Uh, it's I been a joy. Bless the bread. Well, Robbie, we'll, we'll let you go, and we'll say good night to you. And uh, just once again, thank you for coming on well, once again, and look forward to having you back in a couple of weeks. Yes, sir. Jonathan, just one thing. I love yes, you, sir. brother. <laughs> love you too, Robbie. <laughs> we say, we say yes, that sir. sort of joking, tongue-in-cheek, but, man, I do love you guys. Love you both dearly. <laughs> I didn't hear Eric say. Now, Eric is Eric is jumping out on the whole "I love you" thing tonight. That's fine. All right, he gets away with it. I catch grief. He doesn't say nothing, and he gets away with it. That's that's the last. He said that's Jonathan. Last, he said Jonathan. One years. more thing. I know Robbie loves me, and I Absolutely. love. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> more benefit to hear it every now and again. <laughs> Good night, Robbie. Good night. <laughs> Man, you're back, huh? That's good. I'm so glad to have yeah. you back, man. I, I tell you, that's, uh, it's uh, things. You know, things I just... didn't tell Robbie to say that. He didn't. Encouragement <laughs> for me. He just said.
mercy. Mercy. Uh, we got a couple of prayer requests. Not that many, though. I only saw two come in. Um, we had uh, Trish has been uh, looking for a house. And uh, she was almost apologetic with the prayer request 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 <laughs> that she put in. Um, but uh, that is a stressful thing to be going through, particularly in the market that we are in right now. So uh, we'd be glad to pray for you on that, Trish. Um, and then Phil was asking us to pray for Lorraine. Uh, sounds like she is dealing with some memory and hearing loss. Um, and was asking for prayers for that as well. And that is all I saw. All righty then. Let's pray together. Our great, magnificent, and awesome Father in heaven, it is our joy and privilege always to come into your presence and to prostrate our hearts before you and to acknowledge your greatness and let you know just how much we are, are thankful and, and just joyous to be your children. Uh, it is a great honor and privilege to be a part of the body of the saved, having been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We are so thankful for him and everything that he provides for us. So thankful for the good news that we get to share and uh, has been so ably preached tonight. Uh, we're thankful for Brother Robbie and all that he does in your kingdom and thankful for the work there and the congregation there and uh, for the 25 years that he spent preaching and teaching in that place. And we pray for many more uh, for him and for his family. We're thankful for this audience that's here tonight and every night for the encouragement that they provide, the support that they uh, give to this work and uh, their great interest in your word and hearing it preached and taught faithfully. We're thankful, Father, for all the men who uh, and the women who, who participate in one form or another in this program and uh, share uh, your word and information relative thereto uh, uh, on this network. And we're just thankful for them and prayerful for their works and wherever they may be. We're also mindful, Father, of Trish tonight as she uh, searches for a new home. Um, she has stated, Father, her desire uh, to use that home in a way that brings you glory and that allows for fellowship and singing and uh, seeking those that are lost. And Father, we know that you would want us to use these things uh, in those ways, and we just pray that you will bless her in her search, pray that it will be successful, pray that it will be as stress-free as, as possible, and pray that in the end, Father, she will use it to your glory. We're also mindful tonight of Lorraine, and we pray for her father and the challenges that she's facing with memory loss and other things. And just pray that you will be with her and bless her and all of those who surround her. Father, we're thankful for all things and help us always to, uh, to be grateful, humble, and to uh, appreciate your goodness toward us. And may we share your goodness in the world that men might come to know you. We give you thanks for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, sir. Um, just saw there, uh, uh, Gita said that uh, the uh, biopsy, I believe we prayed for tonight. This is Thursday, right? I think we prayed for that Tuesday, maybe. Uh, it's yeah. been postponed to the 13th. So let's keep uh, Gita in our prayers over that as well. Um, see what we have. I did not see anything come in on the YouTube side tonight, so we'll turn our attention over to 
uh, the Facebook portion of the audience and see what we have over there. Give me just one second. There we go. Uh, we got Patsy with 50 stars. Thank you, Patsy. Hey, we got Jill with 100 stars. Thank you, Jill. Got Sobrono with 100 stars. Thank you, Sobrono. And we have Claudette with 200 stars. Thank you, Claudette. So appreciate all of that from you all tonight. Um, and that starts to get us wrapped up for the evening. Um, tomorrow night, uh, we have on with us uh, Marlon Rotana. Uh, has been with us once or twice before, I think. Uh, but there's a reason having Marlon back on, well, other than the fact he's a sound gospel preacher and all that kind of stuff, other than that. Uh, we're having back back in, back on uh, tomorrow night. Uh, moved him up a little bit in the schedule because we are going to be doing some things with Marlon here. Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to work. Um, Marlon is a, a native Spanish speaker from Latin America. That uh, Mexico? I think he might be from Mexico. Can't remember. Um, but um, he is going to start doing a bilingual show. He's been looking for somewhere to put it. I told him, hey, we've got the we've got all the stuff. You can put it on with us and we can help you send it other places as well. Um, so I don't know if we have in our audience enough bilingual people or Spanish speaking people to help support that or not, but we're going to try it. We're going to see what happens with it. So if you know any Spanish speakers, uh, he's going to start doing that on Fridays. Uh, but also coming up in this month in June, uh, they're having a, a one week online gospel meeting uh, for just Spanish speaking people that we're also going to host here across digital Bible study, leaving the eight o'clock Eastern time zone. Um, and so I think we'll also help him push that out to some of the, the, his pages that he, he might want to go to as well. But uh, just going to have him on tomorrow night. Obviously, he's going to deliver a lesson. But as a part of that, we're going to talk to him about some of his plans um, and just let y'all find out what's going on. And like I said, I, this may not, I, I don't know. Hope, hopefully, we can, hopefully, y'all know some Spanish speaking people that you can invite to this. And just once, once he's, he has sent me some graphics that we will put up. Uh, and have posted on our Facebook page here probably first of the week so that y'all will have some time to share that around. And I think it'd be a great resource for some people if if we uh, um, we can make that work. Um, yes, Connie. For, uh, oh, no, 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 Connie. Uh, the, 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 got the gospel meeting is going to be 7 o'clock central time slot the week that he does it. His weekly show, which is going to be bilingual, he's going to, you know, obviously... Well, bilingual is going to use both English and Spanish in it. Um, that is going to be at five o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Central uh, on Friday afternoons. So um, there it is. And be, you'll find out more about it tomorrow night when Marlon is on with us. So just wanted to give you a heads up about that. And we are looking forward uh, to that opportunity to work with him. So anyway, um, I think that's all I have. You got anything else, bro? Uh, yeah, a couple things. Uh, one, uh, Robbie said something that was very interesting, and, and I just maybe we'll take some more time and talk about it at some point. Uh, he just talked about members of the Lord's Church leaving the church and going into denominationalism, and it seems to be a thing. I, I mean, I just I don't know, I don't feign to understand that, but that just seems to be a, a conversation that needs to be had. I don't know if you know if we don't teach enough about the church or if people are. I don't, I don't know exactly what's happening there, but I hear that more and more frequently. And it's just kind of, 
Uh, I'm, I'm just a little bit perplexed by that. I don't know if everybody is leaving because there's some problem they see in their local congregation or if, if they're just getting weary. I don't know what's happening, but it'd be hard to believe that people who know the truth and have a good understanding, I mean, I suppose you could fall away, but to go into denominationalism from the Lord's church, that's just a, that's, that's just a perplexing thing. I, I'm just, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I just don't know. Yeah. And, and I, how would you know, uh, how would you know, unless you start going person by person and asking, what is it that's going on? Because um, yeah. I mean, that's, um, it's probably a combination of factors would be my guess. Um, but that is not a, that is not a, that is not an encouraging trend by any means. Maybe we could do some series or a series of talks on the church, uh, not necessarily attacking, uh, people and, 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 and anything like that. I just mean, maybe we could begin with the notion that maybe it's just information, you know, maybe if people could understand how central the church is, uh, to scripture. Uh, how really from one end to the other, you'd be hard pressed <laughs> to find something more significant and important than the church. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, yeah. I, 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 I am confident that we do a far, or there are far fewer lessons these days on restoration principles, restoration movements, you know, the concept of rest. I, I, there's, there's no way we preach that. Um, and I have a rant, but I'm gonna try not to go on it. But I love I, you, you. You've heard me, right? I, I kind of like to do expository preaching. Um, I've heard. I also think, though, that the push for expository preaching among a lot of progressives, and they're huge about talking about it all the time, is to try to stop us from doing topical preaching. Mm. Because topical preaching often answers the the progressive agenda. Because pro progressives want to isolate First Timothy two, talk about women's roles from First Corinthians fourteen and any other passage that might go along with it. Let's silo every individual passage and don't proof text from other text. And so the restoration type preaching does that. It takes all the it, it it's an in, in, in inductive type study. And I really I, I call me conspiracy theorist, but I actually think. There are progressives among us who will just push expository preaching because they're fearful of the old style, mid mid twentieth, late twentieth century topical type preaching that indoctrinated saints in the the nuts and bolts, the ABCs of of the church. I, I really think that's part of it. That's that's the shortest version of that rant I can give you. Well, I I I want to encourage people. Somebody just said study the Bible, and that's absolutely essential. You need to do that. If there is a step before study, it's reading. <laughs> read the Bible. And a funny thing will happen when you read the Bible. You'll 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 read the contents. And uh the apostle Paul, Peter, John, James, they do exactly what you just described. They start with the text, they start with a point, they go back to the Old Testament. <laughs> and, and they say, this right here, this, this is what that is. And so mm -hmm. they put the passages together. The Lord yeah, put the passages together. Peter, Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost is a topical sermon. 
Because that, that's what it is. It is it is messianic prophecies from from David, from the Psalms. You know, and he goes through about what six, seven, six, seven of them, just bang, 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 bang. That, that's topical preaching. If you just read it, um, if you just read it, read your Bible, uh, read your Bible. There is no yeah. way anybody should get you out of the Lord's church. Yeah. I, it just nobody. Uh, Brother Robbie was absolutely right. We are not converted to the church, but you can't separate the church from the Christ. You can't do that. And so, I, I mean, you, 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 they, you might as well be pulled out of the ark uh, or pushed out of Rahab's house. Uh, I, I mean, you can't get out of the church. Don't let anybody, don't, don't let anything or anybody get you out of the Lord's church. Just don't do that, friends. Don't don't do that. Well, I, I don't know. I got off there, but that that that's that what was on my mind. So maybe we could spend some time on some Fridays in the future talking about the Lord's Church. Would not be a bad thing. So uh, you said a couple things. Was that a couple of things, or was that just one thing? Uh, well, I felt like a lot of them. Uh, for okay. those who don't know, I guess I'll just share this news. I, I don't know. It wasn't intended to be an announcement or anything like that, but it's possible that somebody does know. Uh, I have spent the last. 25 years preaching for the Avondale congregation. And it has been a singular joy of mine and a great privilege. Uh, at the, I think at least 10 of those were spent with you there. So you very well know what a fantastic congregation it is. And I've had the happy privilege to be there for the last 25 years, but I am, um, I'm moving um, to Texas to start a new work at the West Side congregation there in Round Rock, Texas. It might be the case that you didn't know that, so I thought I would just share that with you. I will be uh, at Avondale uh, into July. I think July 31st will be my last Sunday there. So I covet your prayers and uh, hope that the new work will go well. Trust that it will. The Lord is in Texas too. And so we <laughs> trust that all will go well there with those good brethren that we're looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, I've been, that was, that's all. Say again. I've been trying not to say anything. I've been trying not, you know, it's not my news to tell, but. There you go. There's the, there's the news. Uh, so. Okay. Well, congratulations that. on that, man. So we're both Thank starting you, new works. I'm sorry. So we're both starting new works. Now your news. Oh, you've already shared yours. I've already shared it with them because I've been here all week. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Jonathan, the taxes in Texas are better than Georgia, except for property tax. Ooh, have mercy on the property tax in Texas. But there's no state income tax, so that helps. Anyway. I will be continuing the program, though. There will be some... Um, there will be some transitionary things and some off nights again, uh, less travel in the future. But as you try to acclimate and involve yourself with the new congregation, there will be nights where I'm not available, certainly in the short run, but uh, hopefully we'll still be very much part of uh, the Digital Bible Study Network. Yeah, there's there's some conversations coming with Eric and I over the next several weeks because it's, it's going to impact me as well. So, um Probably there's going to be another person on the screen at some point. I think that's probably the way to solve the issue is add another person or two to help us with the hosting of Connect nightly. So 
that's that's the obvious solution. We'll see if something else comes out with it. So, um, Paige says she missed my announcement. Um, uh, Paige, I am also starting a new work uh, at the Rockledge Congregation, where I've been attending for three or four years now. Uh, we've um, still hadn't worked out all the details officially, hadn't like signed the contract yet or anything, but uh, I, I have been informed that the elders are desirous of doing that, and assuming we're able to work out all those details, which I have confidence we will be able to, uh, I'll be starting to work at the Rockledge Congregation the first Sunday of July. So, okay. Um, thank you for that. Thanks, sir. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your encouraging words tonight. I sure appreciate it. There are some good eating places in Texas. I am sure of that. I put and, on 30 pounds uh, in 10 years. That's awful kind. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I do not have any physical family in Texas, but, um, my family is going to go with me. So I will take some family with me. And of course the Lord's family is there. So there you there go. You we go. have family everywhere we go. There you are. Alrighty, everybody. That's enough chatting. I suppose. Let me go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, and we will say good night to you. And as always, it is our prayer that you will go out and make your day a great one for God. Have a good night, everybody.